0: Good morning, my friend. Hope you're doing well. It is the 15th day of September. We're making 30 good decisions this month. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. If you're new around here, this podcast is all about understanding the power of the mind, how our brains work, and taking that neuroscience knowledge and smashing it together with faith to find a way to move forward in our lives so we can change our minds and change our lives so we can become healthier and feel better and be happier so that we can ultimately. Learn how to find hope in any situation, no matter what comes along, and that will help your quality of life and your relationships and everything else about how life is playing out for you so you can tell the best story possible with the days that God has given you to put your life on this earth. So today, one of these 30 good decisions that I want to encourage you to make is to choose the way that you use your words. Now, If if we're self-brain surgeons and if our prime directive, our first no-harm directive is that we want to relentlessly refuse to put Participate in our own demise or that of others. We want to make sure that the words that we use are bringing life and help and and offering a path forward to other people. We're not using our words to harm other people. There's an old proverb that says the axe never remembers the tree, but the tree always remembers the axe. That's powerful. You think about it for a minute. The tree never forgets the axe, right? There's a scripture in Proverbs that uh, basically says the same thing as, as always. The Bible said it first, right? The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs twelve eighteen. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Listen, friend, you have a choice of how you use your words. Are your words going to help other people, lift other people up? Or are they going to you're going to lash out in anger when your limbic system makes you feel mad and you're going to let that build up and vent on somebody else and take it out on them when you're unhappy about something. And How many times, if you really are honest, you look back on your life, those times that you've said a harsh word to somebody else or blown up or vented or become enraged with someone or sent an angry text message or email, how many times have, has that helped the situation or the relationship? Or how many times have you had to do a lot of work to re, to sort of repair a relationship or a situation or not get fired? or How many times has it benefited you to use your words like an ax? And how many times has it harmed you? Just be honest and do some self-reflection and look back on that. I would suggest that most of the time in my life, I'm, I'm certain of it, if I could have an, a proper accounting, I'm certain that more times than not, whenever I've been angry with someone or used my words harshly to belittle them or or to try to win an argument or shut somebody up, I've probably regretted it and never have found that it was beneficial to me. So the old saying that that um, the axe never remembers the tree, you, you say these hard things and you move on, you forget about it, you don't think twice about it, or you say, oh, I'm sorry I said that, I was just mad, or I was just scared, or I was just angry. I did an episode a while back called Little Knives. And it's about this idea about using your words as are the little knives to dig at people and pierce like swords? Or are they going to be, you know, used to help other people and bless them and benefit them? We have our fourth day of surgery. We're, we're doing four days of surgery this week. It's just been an incredibly busy week. This will be the fourth, maybe fifth week in a row that we've had to do unplanned cases. It's just been incredibly busy. And so I've got to get to the hospital again early today um, and get after it. We're having to operate on Friday again this week. It's just a Busy, crazy Tom. Which is a blessing. We're glad to be here helping these amazing people of Nebraska. But but it's one of those times that's just been really really busy. And when you're busy and when you're stressed, that's a that's a time when you need to be a little bit extra vigilant about how you're behaving, how you're carrying yourself. Don't get you know overtired and stressed, and, and let that lead you to behaving or making decisions that you wouldn't normally make. So just be if if you're in one of those seasons, be a little extra vigilant. Make sure that you're carrying yourself in the way. That that reflects your core values and your and your uh, mission here on earth, and that you reflect and honor Jesus in the the steps that you take and the words that you say. And you know the the proverb, "Let the words or the psalm rather, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart always be pleasing to you." I think I saw Psalm 1914 Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer See, it's not even just the words that you say But it's the things that you're thinking about in your head This is a uh, an integrity issue It's a self-discipline issue And it's important And it will help you become healthier And feel better and be happier And it'll help you, my friend, start today Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule You have to change your mind first Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. This morning though, I just, I've been struggling, not struggling, but I've been ruminating on three things different little ideas, none of which seemed like they could become a whole episode, but they probably could. Um, One of them was a dream I had a few days ago, one of them was something that happened in the operating room, and the other one was just a a thought, a societal thought that I've been having a lot lately about um, what's going on in the world, so um, just going to kind of throw three things at you today, not really well-developed ideas, but three things I want you to kind of be thinking about That uh, maybe will become uh, more later, but certainly I think uh, things that can help you. Before we do that, though, I want to ask if you're reading the Bible with us, if if you are following me uh, through the podcast, you need to be connected to the community of people that are also connected to my newsletter wmd.com slash newsletter highly encourage you friend if you like the podcast you will love the newsletter you will love the community that we have um you really can connect with people all over the world and it's been a wonderful um healing kind of ministry for me and lisa as we've gone through the years since we lost our son um, and this community is special. And so one thing we're doing in the community is we're reading the Bible this year in the first 90 days of the year. Now, if you haven't started yet, just pick a day and start and go 90 days. It's easy. There's a great Bible study guide um, or a checklist of every day's reading. It takes about half an hour each day. Or if you're listening to the audio Bible, you can speed it up a little bit. Um, but it, it's worth it to see the story of God's people throughout creation or throughout history, rather. And how, you know, we're not that different really um, since we started to get an understanding of what God's doing, what he's always been about. And uh, in times like these, when it seems like the world's completely nuts and that we're going through unprecedented things, it really is grounding and helpful and healing and encouraging. To read the Bible. So if you haven't started that or if you are doing it, uh, let me hear from you. Send me an email, lee at drleewarren.com. If you're interested in doing that, um, I'll send you the resources um, and uh, help you get started and it's worth it. If you've never read the Bible, highly encourage you to do that. Hey, today we're going to talk about um, a few little things. One, a story about little knives in the operating room. Two, a story about plumb lines and measuring sticks and three a story about how to be light when everything seems dark it's going to help us become better self-brain surgeons and as always it'll help us start today hey i'm glad to have you listening i'm dr lee warren i live in the super windy city of north platte nebraska today with my incredible wife lisa warren i'm a neurosurgeon and an author and i'm here to help you learn to harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get that done. You can get the show notes and more on my website at W slash newsletter. If you want to add the newsletter, Warrenmd.com is the website, and W slash newsletter gets you the sign-up for the newsletter. If you like the show, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it that's how we grow we've been heard in 75 countries and we're going fast to grow further around the world with this positive message i'm dr lee warren my podcast is about changing our minds so we can change our lives let's get after it all right it's pretty early in the morning i'm gonna have a little coffee i'm not sure what you're drinking i'm a pretty simple guy um i like the black silk from folgers it's It's dark, but it's not too bitter, and uh, I'm having a cup of coffee in my Auburn University coffee cup. Our oldest daughter, our middle daughter, rather, Kimber, graduated from Auburn. Our son, Mitch, attended Auburn. Our youngest daughter, Kaylin, is an Auburn graduate who's currently in grad school at Auburn. Um, and by the way, shout out to Kaylin. It was her birthday a couple of days ago. She is in her first year of grad school. She made straight A's in her first semester. Um, she's becoming a therapist, and they're starting to actually see patients this week. And so I'm uh, really proud of you, Kaylin. And uh, boy, I couldn't imagine being more proud of what you've done with your uh, academic career and your life. And the best thing about Kaylin, really all of our kids, the, the best thing about them uh, is that they're better people. Um, you know they're they're really good at what they do. They're really good at their jobs. They're really good with everything that they put their hands on. But they're better people, and that's what, the thing that Lisa and I are the proudest of. So, happy birthday, Kaylin! Uh, one more thing: pray for my family. We lost uh, my dad's little sister, my aunt Charlotte, passed away this week. Um, so, send a little prayer out to her three daughters, uh, Deborah, Susan, and Vicky, uh, and to my dad and his other siblings. It's the first one of the four of them that we've lost, and. Um, You know, it's just a hard time when you lose somebody that you love. So, say a prayer for my Aunt Charlotte's family and my dad. And uh, just, uh, you know, life is hard sometimes. So, we all should be praying for each other, right? Um, One thing that happens in med school, when you finish medical school, you take an oath. Um, It's commonly called the Hippocratic Oath, although it's not actually truly the Hippocratic Oath. But it is an oath that we take. And one of the things that we say when we take that oath to become physicians is that our prime directive, our chief mission um the the number one thing is what they call primum non nocere which means first no harm like whatever we do whatever i put my hand to however i treat you the most important thing is that i do it safely that i don't make things worse for you that is our prime directive i was doing a case the other day and we have we always have a few minutes where we have to wait on something so um when we first scrub in the the prep this the stuff we rub on the skin of the patient to clean the skin takes a few minutes to dry it has some alcohol in it so if you start the case before it's dried and you put the drapes down while there's still some alcohol in there and then you use cautery then you could start a fire in the or so we always have to wait a certain amount of time for the prep to dry completely for that alcohol to cook off before we drape to make it safe from fire hazard. Can you imagine how dangerous a fire in the operating room would be with all the bottled oxygen and everything going on in there? So OR fire is really dangerous, so we have to wait that prescribed amount of time for the alcohol to cook off before we drape the patient so there's no fire hazard, right? So we're standing there, and we're waiting, and then the scrub tech is arranging her mayo stand the little table that holds all of her instruments and i was just kind of looking over her shoulder while i was waiting uh, morgan was the scrub tech that day so if morgan i don't know if you're listening to this but but uh, i was watching you um and she has a real sort of uh, methodical way that she lays her instruments out very orderly uh, very logical and she was laying out the scalpels, so there's just several scalpels that we use In back surgery, there's some really big one that we cut the skin with that's called a 10 blade. There's a smaller one that's called a 15 blade that we use for disc work. And there's a really pointy sharp one called an 11 blade that we use uh, for different things to cut really tiny stuff. And then there's a whole set of instruments that are called micro instruments. And I was just kind of looking through those, thinking ahead to the case and what I might need, what I might use here and there. And one of those micro-instruments is called a micro-knife, micro-scalpel, really tiny. You have to put it under the microscope almost to see how sharp and, and, and straight and pointy it is. And I, and I had remembered, as I was looking at those little knives, little little instruments, I remembered many years ago when I was training, that I was watching a surgeon, I was just watching because I wasn't qualified yet to do the procedure, watching a surgeon take a tiny brain tumor out of the cerebellopontine angle, which is... a placing your brainstem in the back of your head kind of if you stuck your finger behind your ear on uh, that bone back there the mastoid if you could go inside your head from there you get into the angle between the cerebellum which is the back part of your brain and the brainstem the pons there's a little gap in there where there's a bunch of cranial nerves that move your face and the ones you hear with and all of that and sometimes you can get a tumor on that cochlear nerve the, the vestibular cochlear nerve the one that you hear with and that little tumor Grows slowly, and over time, the facial nerve, which is the nerve that moves your face, will kind of get wrapped around the tumor. And and when you're taking that tumor out, you have to be really careful because the facial nerve is really tiny. It's like the size of several of your hairs kind of bundled together. Really tiny little nerve. And I was watching this surgeon work, and he had this tiny little microscalpel, and the tumor was so stuck to the nerve that the nerve tore with that little bitty instrument. I'm talking about a knife that's one and a half millimeters wide, really little bitty knife. But that little bitty knife was able to cut that little nerve, and that person lost some strength and movement in their face because of that. And I always thought about that since then. It's the little knives that often do the most damage. You know, if, if, if you think about it, like... Most of the time in surgery, we, we take a big knife and we cut the skin open, but we don't really ever injure somebody with the skin knife. I mean, you could if you were a maniac. You know, if you were somebody who was not careful, you could make an incision that was too big or too crooked or too deep or could injure somebody in some way. But, but generally speaking, the big knives do things safely and we're careful we cut the skin that we sew up later and there's no lasting harm from what happens with the really big knives that would seem more dangerous on the surface right but it's actually usually the little little delicate stuff later in the case the little things the little tiny itty bitty knives sometimes cause bigger damage than the big knives and it just i was thinking about that while i was watching morgan carefully arrange her table I remember, boy, you hear that wind? Holy cow. Man, it's really whipping now. I was thinking about that, and it occurred to me, like I've told you before, in neuroscience, we know that negative words and negative experiences impact your brain about five times more than positive ones do. Like when somebody says something negative to you, you know, when you're a little kid and your dad calls you dumb, or or somebody calls you fat or something like that, you might grow up to become a supermodel or a, you know a a, a bodybuilder, and you still think you're fat when you look in the mirror because somebody, some kid in third grade, called you you know tubby. And later in life, you still see yourself that way because that negative experience hit your brain and wired it in such a way that you remember that and you never stop believing it even though it's not objectively true, right? So I started thinking about that idea of the little knives and it just occurred to me that sometimes the tiniest little things that we do in our lives, little tiny things, turn into little wounds that can fester and grow into big wounds in people's lives. Sometimes little things that we do or don't do. Like when your kid does something and they come and say, Daddy, look look what I built. And you, you're you too much of a coach inside. And instead of saying, hey, great, that Lego, and that's amazing truck you made, we coach them and said, oh, you know what? You should have done this or you should change it to that. And that little opportunity that we have to praise them and build up their self-esteem becomes something in their mind that they should have done better. And it's just a little knife, a little tiny wound it seems like, but it has a big impact on the inside, right? Your spouse comes to you and, and she says, um, hey, do I look good in this? And you say, oh, those jeans are a little too tight, honey. Now, first of all, none of you listening, you're not dumb enough to have said that. But let's just say for the sake of argument that you were. That would be a bad thing. That that line would be something that she remembered a long time, and would probably remind you that you remembered by the way, <laughs> so don't do that, but just think about different times when you are hurting inside or you're feeling bad inside, and you need just a little bit of encouragement and you, and you kind of muster up the courage to sort of ask for it to, to hold out something to your spouse or your coworker or somebody, and instead of getting what you need in that moment, you get something else, a, a wound. Uh, a little snide comment or a little bit of uh, passive aggressive behavior that really can create a huge injury, even though it seems like a little thing. It's just a couple of words, right? So I just want to put that in your mind. like The, the, the words, the, the behaviors that we have can either be healing or they can be these, what seem like little knives. Fortunately, most of us in our relationships don't have just like most surgeons don't slash people to death with the big scalpel, the skin knife, because we're not insane. Most of the time in our relationships, we're not actually doing big harmful things with our hands. We're not punching people, we're not you know, breaking windows, we're not um, hopefully physically abusing people or, or those kinds of things. We're not usually um, being unfaithful or, or all that kind of stuff. When, when those are happening, they need to be addressed, they need to be handled, and they're devastating, obviously. Big, I mean, you could really do some real damage with one of those big knives, right? And you can do real damage with your fists, your hands, your words, your deeds, your behaviors, all of that. So, but, but most of the time, statistically speaking, most of us aren't engaging in those big knife kind of things. We're just living life, and we're having all these moments when we can either do something good and helpful with our little knives like take the tumor out, or we can injure someone we're supposed to love, someone we're supposed to care about. And that can create opportunities for big wins later. Because if you give your spouse, or your child, your friend, a lot of little wins over time, if, you, if they bring in you these opportunities and you're always the one with the encouraging word, you're always the one who's there for the right support, then that's going to bank up a lot of good in them a lot of positive to overcome the negative that they're going to get from the rest of the world. They can learn to count on you as being the one who's always going to first, no harm, provide support and comfort and healing from them. And that those series of little gifts, little wins, little good surgical application of the little knives are going to prevent some big losses in your life later. So just thinking about that, you know, the other day we were outside, Lewis and Harvey were running around and playing, and we were walking, and all of a sudden Harvey trots up, and he's got a horribly decomposed dead raccoon in his mouth. And he trotted right up to us, and he was so proud. He brought that and put it right at my feet. And you know I could either yell at him and act disgusted and, and scream and yell and scare him away, and he would feel ashamed, and he would not want to come to me and let me love him and pet on him and all of that. And later that would turn into him not retrieving ducks or quail or pheasant well because he would feel like he's not supposed to bring me something he found, right? Or I could praise him. Thank you. for Good job, Harvey. Thanks for bringing me that disgusting dead raccoon, right? That's a little win. And I could either have turned it into a loss or I could turn it into a win. Same thing with your kids with their crafts. Um, I looked the other day. We found uh, there's a little Lego... um, creature, some kind of warrior, um, that Mitch built. And it was the last Christmas that he was alive. Mitch was a kid who always loved Legos. He loved to build those complicated, um, Lego creations. And, um, just as a random stocking stuffer, Lisa and I were at Target, you know, picking out stocking stuffers for the kids. And we grabbed this one little one that was on the shelf and we put it in Mitch's, even though he was 18. Um, we stuck a, a, lego thing in his stocking and on christmas day he built it in about five minutes and he put it on his shelf well then after he died i realized that was the last lego thing he had ever made and so we've moved you know four times since then and we every time we move we bubble wrap that thing and we protect it and we and it always stays on the shelf in my office because i can i want to see it i want to sometimes touch it and know that that's something that my son built with his hands um and i remember when he was little and he would build something he would always be so proud and he wanted my approval he was dad look at what I built and so I wanted to put that in your mind like when you have an opportunity to use your little knives you can do something great with them heal build restore repair promote health and healing and happiness and good self esteem or you can turn them into injuries wounds and just what would you like to do with that Think about that because there's all, all kinds of opportunities in your life to have little wins or little losses or big wins or big losses and they usually happen with the little knives. You might imagine the Bible says something about this. There's uh, at least five scriptures that I found real quickly that relate to this. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue and also those who love it will eat its fruits. So you get to choose. You're gonna bring death or life with your words. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth but only such that is good for building up that it may give grace to those who hear. So God says it plain. Don't say bad things to people. Use your words for good. Proverbs 12:18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. There's an idea about knives, right? Your words can be like knives that wound people and harm them, or you can be wise and heal people with how you speak. Matthew 12:36, I tell you on the day of judgment, everyone will give account for every careless word they speak holy cow jesus says you're going to account for the words that you speak god gave you a list of a host of words to say in your lifetime and he's going to account ha, take account of them for you on the day of judgment think about that one proverbs 15 one, a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger i think i've made the point be careful with your words use your little knives for good first no harm now let's switch gears. Let's talk about social media for just a second. I, I think I told you last week, I got I deleted all my social media accounts. I got really frustrated when Twitter banned the president of the United States because they said he was inciting violence and it's interesting to me that You know, President Trump's now been impeached twice. Whatever you think of him, he has been impeached twice for things that the Democrats have alleged that he said, and in both cases, the transcript of what he actually said is publicly available. And so this is two times that the Democrats have impeached the President of the United States for something that they wanted him to have said. But you can actually listen to what he did say, and he didn't say the things that they said he said. So it's interesting to me that Proverbs twenty twenty three said, the Lord detests double standards. He is not pleased by dishonest scales. And the ninth commandment says, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. So the fact is we now have a president who's been impeached twice over a double standard because there are multiple examples of Kamala Harris and Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi and others last summer encouraging People to riot and burn and pillage and loot and literally saying those words. Nancy Pelosi said, I don't know why people aren't in the streets protesting. They should be. So they're impeaching the president over something that he did not say that they claim he said. And they're not impeaching themselves over things that they actually said that they're denying that they said. That's the definition of a double standard. Again, not a a politics conversation. But I decided if Twitter's going to take the president off for something that he did not do – I don't want to be giving them money. I don't want to be participating in funding the companies who then turn around and use those billions of dollars that this amazing country has provided them and use it to censor and um, promote ideologies that I don't agree with. So I took myself off of social media. And so I, I canceled it because the Lord doesn't like double standards and I don't want to have one. And so, while I was thinking all those thoughts about you know how, how much it bothered me that somebody had a double standard, I had a dream in which um, a person was walking with me. I, in the dream, I thought it was God, and I'm not a, I'm not prophesying or any of the weird stuff like that. I'm I'm not saying that this is something that's actually happened or will happen. I'm just saying it's a dream that was well timed, and for me, it made a difference. And in that dream, the person God or whoever it was um, basically held up a plumb line you know which is a, uh, a line with a weight on the end of it and you can hold it up to, to measure and make sure something's straight up up against a standard to make sure something is actually straight and right angled and squared away like it should be it's like a measuring stick but a, a way to level and know that what you're measuring is what it should be and in Amos chapter 7 verse 7 and 8 there's a a similar story where it says thus he showed me and behold the lord was standing by a vertical wall with a plumb line in his hand the lord said to me what do you see amos and i said a plumb line and the lord said behold i am about to put a plumb line in the midst of my people israel i will spare them no longer and isaiah 28:17 said i will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the level then hail will sweep away the refuge of lies and the water will overflow the secret place so here i was frustrated and mad about um jack dorsey and twitter and facebook and all those guys using double standards and not being who they say they are not telling the truth about what they're doing and why they're doing it, and not applying that same standard to other people just taking it out on conservatives And I have a dream in which God is saying to me, hey, here's the standard I set up for your life, Lee. And here's the plumb line measured against you, and you're not measuring up. And so it just occurred to me that I'm not living the way that God wants me to live in every area of my life. I bet you're not either. And I need to straighten that up. I need to plumb and square my own life away. There's Harvey and Lewis waking up. You know, we get so wrapped up sometimes in what's happening outside, like to other people in other places. And we talked a little bit about that last week with the idea of, you know, God in the Old Testament gave the people instructions to carry a shovel with you so you can clean up your own mess. Um, and don't be so concerned about your neighbor's mess, be worried about your mess. And if all of us would square ourselves away, if all of us would line ourselves up with the plumb line that God's holding out, because by the way, God never changes, right? His eternal word and standard are always true. And so if we always would go back and square our own life away before we worry about somebody else, we'll be happier, first of all, because you're more happy when you focus on fixing what you can fix, what you have control over, putting putting things right where you can than when you get this idea that everything's bad and you can't control anything and there's no way you can make a difference and all of that stuff. You're not, you get frustrated, you get depressed, you get anxious when you focus on things you cannot control. And so The message for me, and I think the message I'm just trying to share with you a little bit today, is don't worry so much about other people and their double standards or their problems or their issues. Worry more about making sure that you have nudged your life as close to the line of what God has laid out as being level and true for you where you are as you can be. Now, with all this darkness and in a time when it seems like evil is winning and you know everything seems dark and bad and dangerous and, and our form of government is changing and we're worried about our freedoms and all those things none of those things are untrue but what are Christians supposed to do unless you're actually a U.S. Senator or a Supreme Court Justice or a President or somebody who's actually going put your hand on the levers of power and make big changes like that if you're just a normal person like me sitting in your windy house in Nebraska or wherever you are what can you do? to make a difference right well first clean up your own camp make a difference where you are line yourself up plumb yourself up use your little knives wisely try to make a difference around you to the people that are in your world that you've been entrusted with to make a difference for but what else can you do should we just hide should we just quit should we just disappear and and that started thinking about that with social media you know what if all the christians left social media then what happens there's no light there right so there's, that's not the exact right answer. On what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, and by the way, the Sermon on the Mount is the name of the, the famous sermon that Jesus preached in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you haven't read it or if you haven't read it in a while, anytime you start to wonder what you should be doing in your life to make a difference and make your life better and please God more with your life, Read the Sermon on the Mount. Take 15 minutes and read those three chapters because they never change and they never stop being an amazing guide for life. But in, in Matthew 5, starting in 14, here's what Jesus said You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Jesus says, you're the light. This is a dark world. There's bad stuff happening and people need to see the light. In my office here in the house, there's a dimmer switch on the light. And when I get up in the mornings, I try not to wake the dogs up. I turn that light on with the dimmer all the way down. And then I just really slowly bring it up until it's kind of slowly, slowly getting brighter. And then there's a point where all of a sudden, bam, I can see everything. Everything. It's just bright enough that I can see and I can navigate the room and not trip over something the contractor's left a bucket of paint out or something. I can see because there's enough light that all of a sudden the world is clearer now for me. And I realized, what if all of us just started turning our lights up just a little bit, just just a little bit brighter right where we are? What if all of us did that? Would the world all of a sudden, bam, get a little bit lighter? Because the light can triumph over the darkness. Darkness cannot prevail against even just a little bit of light, friend. So if you can shine your light wherever you are, Jesus said that city on the hill, the lamp on the stand, cannot be hidden. And there's also this, Philippians 2, starting in verse 14, Paul says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Here's a theory I have, friend. I don't think anybody who's trapped in darkness is happy. I don't think anybody whose life is all about power or money, I don't think anybody who's involved in trafficking other humans, I don't think anybody who's involved in selling drugs or doing all those bad things, I don't think they're happy. I don't think they're fulfilled, and I know they're not because they were created for something more. And we will never win against the darkness by yelling at people and telling them that they're the darkness you'll never win against people who don't have a moral compass by yelling at them and telling them that they need to have a moral compass they don't agree with you what they will respond to eventually is if we just keep shining light if every time you have an opportunity to minister you do so if every time you have an opportunity to show that you are squared away and you are true And every time you have an opportunity to wield your power of your little knife, you do so in a way that brings life and not death, that brings healing and not harm. If you are a person who always shines the light, then over time, somebody will notice. I get letters every week. Lisa and I get letters every week from somebody somewhere who's hurting, and they say, something you said on the podcast made a difference for me today. And that's why I do it. I'm not making money off this podcast. In fact, my entire operation with my website and my newsletter and the podcast and all that, we're spending about $1,500 a month to do this. But we don't do it for the money. We do it as a ministry because somebody out there needs to hear a little bit of light. They need to see a little bit of something other than darkness. They need to hear me lift them up with an apt word, a timely word, aptly spoken. Proverbs said it's like apples of gold and settings of silver, right? Just you need to be to bring the right word. And we need to be doing self-brain surgery because that's how we become happier. And that's how we shine the light. And that, my friend, is how we will win. Look, I know things are hard, but wherever you are, whatever you're going through, you are there. You're in that place at that time to make a difference. So start where you are, clean up your world, square yourself away to the plumb line, And when you're dealing with others, watch out for how you use those little knives, because that's where the damage happens, but it's also where the little wins, the little bits of healing instead of hurting happen, The little bit of help and hope instead of pain. Let's renew our oath. First, no harm. Every way in your life in which you could either do harm to someone or help them, choose to help them. Be a little bit brighter Than the world around then step up and have the courage to measure yourself continually against a plumb line of god's word and his standard because he doesn't change and no matter how crazy the world gets you will be so much happier so much more at peace when you square your life up to the line and that's where freedom happens everybody thinks that inside of religion inside of god's word there's there's restriction and there's oppression but there's not When you drive down a road, on a mountain road that's got deep ravines on either side and there's guardrails on the side, you don't look at the guardrails and say, those are restricting my freedom. You you don't want to drive off the cliff. The guardrails are there to set the the edges for you so that you have the freedom to drive all over the place safely, right? Right? That's what guardrails are for, and that's what the plumb line's all about. God's saying, hey, your life is going to be better if your building is straight, if you're leveled up to the edge of where I have the plan for you. So shine your light, friend. Square yourself away. Get your little knives in order and do first no harm, but let that light shine because we need to see you breaking through the darkness. And let's start today. Hey, thanks for listening. The Doctor Lee Warren Podcast is listener supported. Check out patron dot slash Doctor Lee Warren. That's patron. Podbean dot com slash Dr. Lee Warren patrons and partners get free books, transcripts, special patron-only episodes, and more. And partners like you allow us to stay ad-free and keep growing. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com. Dr. Lee com Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together.